Hi, this is Corey Turner, and along with my wife Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. We're all going through a series called What Does God Say About Money? And it's all based on the Word, on the Bible. But our very own teaching pastor, who's based at City, global executive pastor, Dr. Mike, has written this book called Resourcing the Church to Advance God's Kingdom. And it's mainly really about what the Bible says about the essential practice of tithing. So these books will be there in the info hub, info desk out the front if you want to buy one. There's just so much good stuff in there, just explains what tithing is all about. And I spoke last week about financial stewardship. We, the, the title was, What Does Money Have to Do with Discipleship? And pretty much what came out of that word was that how we steward money has everything to do with discipleship. Because Jesus tells us to love him more than anything else, anyone else. We're not able to be his disciples if we're going to put other things before him. And there's this heart connection between our finance and our heart. Between our heart and our finance. And we, and we went through the verse that says, For where your treasure is, there your heart is. And we talked about how stewardship is not about money. It's actually a heart issue. It was all about, as it says in Luke and in, and, um, and in Matthew no one can serve two masters. No one can serve both God and money. So the whole thing was like, who are you worshipping, money or God? And it's a challenging thing to talk about in church because money is such a personal thing. But God talks about it in his word. And so we get to talk about it, to equip the church. It's not that the church wants your money. Oh, there they go, talking about money again. No, God wants your heart. And one of the things that he's given us through the word, through thousands of years, is this concept and principle of tithing. Does anyone know a poor Jew? No, there's no poor Jews that I've met. Because they've got the concept, the principle of tithing. And they, you know, they're just blessed. And that's because that's, they've been doing that over generations. So we're going to talk a bit about more about that. Last week was financial stewardship. This week, we're talking about actually the tithe itself, getting more into that. And next week, Dr. Mike, the writer of the book, is going to come here. He's going to share. If you have any questions from today, from last week, come let me know. Let my wife know. Let Prem know. Even throughout the week. If you have any specific questions, when Dr. Mike comes up next week, we'll spend the first 10 minutes just pumping up, pumping him with questions. Is that cool? He's a doctor. He studied for this. He's been studying the word for 40 years, so it'll be great having him around. But for me, when it comes to tithing, tithing is giving the first 10% of your income to your local church. It's bringing it. It's paying it. I've been saved since I was 12. That's when I made my decision to walk with God. But I didn't tithe for probably 15 years. And I shared my story last year how I was walking with God. God was leading me. I was fully devoted to God. And he was blessing me. And then I went through a time where I bought this car on, um, through carsales.com, the Jeep Wrangler I told you about last week. 
But I got a loan out of the bank, a personal loan. I gave this guy cash, $25,000 cash. A year later, I realised this guy hadn't paid his car loan. He's, I've got the car. His bank takes the car and I'm stuck with this loan for years and years. And I took this debt into my marriage and a whole lot of other debt. But God taught me so much through that. We moved to London for a couple of years after we were married. And I got to do contract work as an accountant. That's my background. I'm a chartered accountant. And whilst we were there, we travelled 40 cities, 20 countries. Whilst we were there working, we'd take weekends off and go away. It was so easy. But whilst we were there, we were able to pay off all the debt, learn so much about finance, learn so much about trusting God. But the reasons I wasn't tithing throughout all those years is because I was like, tithing, that's an Old Testament thing. I was like, that's Old Testament. That's got nothing to do with me. I'm like, the New Testament talks about giving cheerfully, giving from the heart, not giving out of impulse. So when they'll talk about tithing, which we do every week in our What's Next section announcements, we encourage people, we teach people on this. But that's where I was at with it until God gave me a revelation, until I really went into the Word saying, God, what are you saying? And I got that revelation. We don't give to God because we have to. We give to God because we get to. It's an act of worship. It's hard sometimes at the start, but when you get into it, you actually realize this is worship, this is obedience, and it becomes a sheer delight. We, you, you, you sense this increase in ownership for, for the house of God, this participation. You go, I am a part of this. So this is what we're going to be talking about today. And we're all on a journey. God, by his Holy Spirit, does a work in us as we're open to him. And as we allow him to speak to us through his word, he convicts us. We find freedom from things of this world. He challenges and grows us. So we'll all be at different points in that journey with God. But there's no categorizing like, oh, they tithe, they don't tithe. That's between you and God. Our call is to equip the saints, to equip, to disciple each other. So that's what we're here to do. And the main thing is really, what's God saying to you? What does God's word say? So our identity as the people of God is that we're on mission with him. So tithing is actually for all of us. It's not just for some of us. So what is the purpose of the tithe? What is the purpose of the tithe? To understand tithing, we actually have to go back to the Bible story. The story of the Bible. We've got to go way back into time. Otherwise, we'll not understand tithing. So it all starts with the fall. God creates man and woman, Adam and Eve. And they fall. They sin. They're separated from God. And there's this brokenness of relationship between us and God as we're all born into this world. But then God has a plan. A plan of redemption to restore the broken relationship. And what God does is he calls Abraham as his chosen person that he chooses through whom he would bless all nations. He makes a covenant with Abraham. Genesis 12, 1 to 3, let's read. In our Bibles, Genesis 12, 1 to 3, this is what it says. Any Bibles in the house? Anyone got a Bible? I always like asking that question. There you go. On the phones. Hard copy, man. You just get to highlight in that thing. I love it. 
Okay, so Genesis 12, 1 to 3, it says, Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you of you a great nation and I'll bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed this is the promise God makes to Abraham that he would make him into a great nation that he would give his people, the Israelites, the promised land. But he says through this nation, through Abraham, he would bless all nations. This is in the Old Testament. And in in Galatians, in the New Testament, after Jesus has come, after he has lived, died, and risen, we read this in Galatians chapter 3, 7 to 8. It's up on the screen. It says, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham and the Scripture... And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. Through, all, through Abraham, all the nations were blessed. It says here, the Gentiles have become part of the family by faith. The Gentiles were non-Jews. See, God chose the Israelites to be his people, to be his treasured possession and said, You'll be my treasured possession. You'll be my treasured possession and I'll be your God. But through Jesus Christ, every nation, every people has been blessed, has has had that restoration opportunity to be restored to relationship with God. It all started with Abraham. So we see the fall. We see God's plan of redemption. And then God makes the nation of Israel through Abraham's grandson, Jacob. Jacob gets another name, Israel. And through that, God makes this nation of Israel to fulfill his promise to Abraham. He makes a covenant with Abraham. And then he makes a covenant again with the nation of Israel at Mount Sinai. We know the story of the Israelites being captive in in Egypt for hundreds of years. They get delivered out of there. And then God makes a covenant with them that he would bless them and that he would bless nations through them, and that he would give them the promised land. Cool? So after that, this is the Bible story. We're still in the Old Testament. God then establishes a house. He establishes a priesthood in order to enable the people to maintain ritual purity to keep the covenant with God and to reveal him to the world. The establishment of God's house is crucial to God's plan of redemption. The establishment of God's house is crucial to God's plan of redemption. So what happens after that? that In that nation where now there's priesthood, there's a house, what happens is that God calls the tribe of Levi to serve in his house and consecrates them. So there was 12 tribes in Israel, but God says, Levi, the tribe of Levi, set them aside from the other 11 tribes for the specific purpose of working in the house. And he forbidden them from inheriting any portions of the promised land so they could dedicate themselves to entirely serving in the house. So now we see the tribe of Levi serving in the house, and it is at this point that the tithe was instituted. So God commands the other 11 tribes to pay him, God, 
to pay him the one-tenth of their annual income so that he can pay the worker so that the work in his house could be done. So there are four configurations, four forms of God's house throughout the Bible. And all of them were actually staffed by workers who were led, who were to lead the people in God's plan of redemption in the world, and they were all to be supported by the tithes which the Lord commanded the people to bring to him for that very purpose. So the four houses, the first one is the tabernacle. So you see there the tabernacle, that big rectangular thing, that's a tent. That was called the tabernacle. This was a dwelling place where God would come and dwell. His presence would be there. That's the first house. That's how people would worship God. They would worship around the tabernacle. They would worship through the priest. That was their link. That was the first house where the Levites would be working. The second house throughout time was the temple. And this was led through Moses, um, through um, Solomon. He, he built the temple for God. And this is where the priest would, would be working again. And people would come and worship. People would give tithes when it came to that. And then the third house is the synagogues. These were local temples. These were established through the Babylonian captivity when the Israelites they just continued to sin and they knew what they were supposed to do they continued to be disobedient and God allowed them to be exiled to go into exile to be captured by Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon and throughout that time there were now these local temples that were called synagogues which people would go and worship and then the last one the fourth house is the church and this is that's just a picture of a church. That's not the church. It's kind of like what we have now. But this was established through Jesus Christ. The first three houses failed. But now the church is God's only plan. And hence the Great Commission. The Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. What does that say? Jesus says, All authority has been given to me on heaven in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. You hear that? Nations again. God's plan has always been to restore relationship, not just with the Jews, but with all nations through Jesus Christ, through Abraham. Jesus came through the line right through from Abraham. So go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe my commands, all that I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always. To the great commission, the church is the community of God. Community of God's people on mission with him in these end times. So in the church, there's shepherds, there's pastors, and they're called to watch over the people. If you see 1 Peter 5, 1 to 4 in your own time, 1 Peter 5, 1 to 4, you see all about the shepherds looking after the flock. And then we hear about the fivefold ministry. When Jesus ascended, it says the gifts descended, Ephesians chapter 4. The gifts of the apostle, the gifts of the prophet, the gift of the evangelist, the gift of the pastor, the gift of the teacher, those gifts descended and God uses those gifts in all of us and through those that work in the house of God to equip the saints. So what does this all have to do with the tithe? Can you see how there's a builder? 
and how God's plan has always been to restore relationship, but he does it through the house of God. So what does the Old Testament say about the tithe? How does it work? Even in the Old Testament, before Moses instituted the law, which he got from God, the Ten Commandments and everything else that followed that, even before that, 400 years before the law, we heard Michael mentioned it last week in the panel, is that there was already people tithing. Abraham tithed. Jacob tithed. You see that in the Old Testament. Even in those days, all in other religions, tithing was a practice. That was a pagan practice too. People would tithe into those temples to support the work of those temples. But it's so easy to say tithing is an Old Testament thing. Or it's a law thing. It came from the law, but actually it was before the law. Every tithe, we now go to one of the first places we hear about the tithe is Leviticus 27. Now this is heavy today, this is deep, but we want to teach solidly what the word says. Go for yourself, look at it. Don't just take what I'm saying as gospel. Go for yourself and go on a journey because this whole thing of tithing is just like speaking in tongues we've talked about has caused so much confusion and division in the church. So we... we one of our values here at Newman Church is God's word is our foundation. What does the word say about that? So we're looking at what does the word say about tithing? So Leviticus 27, 30 to 33 says, Every tithe of the land, whether of seed of the land or of fruit of the land, fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. If a man wishes to redeem some of his tithe, he shall add a fifth to it. What that means is if someone in those days was trying to use the tithe for something else, he would have to add a fifth to it. And that was holy to the Lord. Where am I now? Here we go. If a man wishes to redeem some of his tithe, he shall add a fifth to it. And it says, And every tithe of herds and flocks, every tenth animal of all that pass under the herdsman's staff shall be holy to the Lord. One shall not differentiate between good or bad, neither shall he make a substitute for it. And if he does substitute for it, then both it and the substitute shall be holy. It shall not be redeemed. So someone was looking at their sheep like, oh man, which one am I going to give? This one's good. Uh, this one's not great. I'll give this one. They're like, now you got to give both of them. Now they are holy. Like this is how seriously God took the tithe. And these guys, this is how they did business. This is how they got income. They've come from not having land. They've come into the promised land. So how are they going to make a living? How are they going to make money? It was by working the land and getting it from the animals. So that was their income. Because people would say, oh, but we don't have cattle. We don't have sheep. We don't have those things now. That, that does not relate. But this was about what they were getting out of their work. So look at this. Deuteronomy 14, 22 to 23 says, You shall tithe all the yield of your seed that comes from the field year by year and before the Lord your God in the place that he would choose to make his name dwell that you shall eat the tithe of your grain, of your wine and of your oil and the firstborn of your herd and flock that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. One of the main points why they were being asked to do this was that they would learn to fear the Lord, their God, always. So the people paid one-tenth, 
a tithe of their income to the Lord. So the tithe belongs to the Lord. So we don't give tithes. What we actually do is we pay tithes. See, we pay because it's not ours. We don't, we don't just give tithes, we pay tithes. But we get to give offerings. We give love offerings, we give vision offerings. This is heavy, I'm telling you. But God is speaking to you and to I. And no one's judging anyone. But this is just part of discipleship. So the tithe belongs to the Lord. And we're going to go to the New Testament, don't worry about it. But how you interpret that is up to you. I'll still love you. This is not for me to get more money in my pocket. People are like, oh, is that so that the pastor can get paid more? Uh Uh-uh. My salary is fixed. Our church is here to advance God's kingdom. So how would we even get to do what we do here without your obedient giving and your generous giving? So I'm not here trying to promote myself. Next week, I'm not going to be wearing new Nikes because you started tithing more. (laughs) Just because maybe I'll save some money or something or my wife's blessed me. So the first thing is the tithe belongs to the Lord. Okay? The second thing about the tithe is that the tithe is holy. The word holy is mentioned in those four verses, no, those three verses, four, four times. To be holy is to be set apart. To be holy is to be consecrated. To be holy is to be purified and dedicated to the Lord's exclusive use. So the tithe is holy. So the tithe belongs to the Lord. The tithe is holy. And then the last one is paying the tithe is an act of worship. Can you see behind my head? I wish I was taller so I'll be like blocking you, but it's not working. (laughs) So it's an act of worship. You see where it says, do this so that you fear the Lord always? That fear of the Lord is not saying, oh, if you don't pay the tithe, then you're like so afraid God's going to punish you or, or, you know, it's not that kind of fear. It's a fear, a reverent fear of saying, God, I worship you. I don't worship money so much that I'm like, I can't part with that. You know, when you give that 10%, what I found is that I'm actually able to do more with the 90% that I could have done with the 100 One of the things with me when I was on this journey was, man, I'm from Africa. I'm from Zimbabwe. I've got extended family that need money. What? You want to tell me to give the church 10%? Do you know how many zeros are on that thing? I would rather give that to some extended family at home who need it. I mean, the 10%, I'm going to give that to them. I'm going to tithe to them. God's like, dude, (laughs) you're funny. So you want to give your family the 10% and you're just going to do everything else with the 90%? It was like, the tithe belongs to the Lord. The tithe is holy. The tithe is worship to God. And as I did that, God freed me so much. And then you rely on God so much and he blesses and gives you wisdom that he will show you how to use the 90%. When we're not putting God first, we're being our own gods or money is being the God, that we're just doing what we want. But when you actually dedicate that to him, like, wow, I'm able to actually, man, I remember paying thousands of dollars to help my brother and my parents who needed money for international tuition because we're now doing what God was calling us to do. So there's a difference between trying to do it in your own strength and doing it in the way that God has called us to do it. 
The other things that the Lord gave the tithes to the Levites, so those priests, as an inheritance and as a reward for serving in his house. He actually, the tithe was going to the Levites. There was three types of tithes. We're not going to talk about all those today. Get the book. Read it. You'll learn so much. And not all those types of tithes have crossed over to the New Testament. But the Lord gave the tithe to the Levites. It says in Numbers 18, 20 to 24, 26 to 31. Man, this guy reads a lot of verses when he's in church. Like, seriously. Welcome to church. We're all about the Word of God. Now, it says... Verse 20, and the Lord said to Aaron, you shall have no inheritance in their land. This is to the Levites. Neither shall you have any portion among them. I am your portion and your inheritance among the people of Israel. To the Levites, I've given every tithe in Israel for an inheritance in return for their service that they do, their service in the tent of meeting so that the people of Israel do not come near the tent of meeting lest they bear sin and die. But the Levites shall do the service of the tent of meeting and they shall bear their iniquity. It shall be a perpetual statute throughout your generations and among the people of Israel that they shall have no inheritance for the tithe of the people of Israel which they present as a contribution to the Lord, I have given to the Levites for an inheritance. See, when we tithe, it's a contribution. That, that word contribution in the Hebrew is teruma, which means to lift up. So when we tithe, we're actually lifting up the tithe in worship to God. It says, I've given to the Levites an, inherit, an inheritance coming through the tithe. Therefore, I've said of them that they shall have no inheritance among the people of Israel. Verse 26, Moreover, you shall speak and say to the Levites, when you take from the people of Israel the tithe that I've given you from them for your inheritance. Verse 31, You and your households may eat the rest of it anywhere, for it is your wages for your work at the tent of meeting. This was the instruction to them. And you know, one thing that happens in church is like, oh, you want me to tithe? Okay, so what are you doing with it? When we tithe, I want to know, what are you doing with it? See, the Levites themselves, they had to tithe. They weren't just taking the money. It was for the work of the ministry. So the accountability to the church leaders, the board, the senior pastors, I'm not that. I'm a location pastor, right? But end of the day, whatever church you're giving to, it's not our role to go and say, oh, so what are you doing with it? There's AGMs like we talked about where you, there's some accountability and all that, but actually the accountability is to God. It's clear in the word through the Old Testament, through the New Testament, what elders, what pastors should do with their lives, with their money. So it's so hard for, oh, so what? We couldn't be doing what we're doing here without your giving, without your tithes. I just had to put that out there because people ask that. And I've asked that too myself. That's why back in the day I was like, I'd rather give it to Joyce Meyer because I love watching Joyce Meyer. Why would I give it to the church? Because I was like, nah, Joyce is great. I've got her covered. But yeah, if you want to cover it too, just the tithe belongs to me. You got 90%. Do what you want to do with that. Um, so yeah, I just find the stuff really funny. So that's the Old Testament, and there's more and more to it. But now we want to cross over to the New Testament. What does the New Testament actually say about tithing? 
And the first thing we'll look at, see, there's a thing called hermeneutics. Herman who? <laughs> hermeneutics. It's all about biblical interpretation. See, we can't just look, read the Bible and go, all right, guys, we read that. What does that mean to you? Like, that's not biblical interpretation. We actually have to read the Bible and go, what was the Holy Spirit saying th- through this to those people? in that context, and then go also, all right, what does that look like in the New Testament? And people have studied these things. There's different resources we can look at, but we actually got to go, what does it mean to us today? But we just don't, oh, this is what it means to me because this is how I feel. We actually have to do some biblical interpretation. So that's part of what we're doing today. So what Jesus says in one of the verses, we'll start off with, is Luke 10, verse 7. It says... And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. He was talking to the disciples, sending them out to do ministry. But he's saying, don't just jump from house to house trying to to get things from people. Just stay in your house, the house that you're ministering in, because you deserve your wages. And those people are going to bless you. I'm going to put it on their hearts to bless you because the laborer deserves their wages. So what's coming out of this is that a laborer deserves their wages. You have a job, you deserve your wages. And then Jesus says in Luke 11:42. Now this is a situation where Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. This is where we hear Jesus actually mention the word tithe. He's talking to the Pharisees, he's talking to the scribes, he's talking to everyone who's there and he says to the crowds and to his disciples. This is Matthew 23, 1 to 3, verse 23. It says, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So the Pharisees are like trying to be, you know, more righteous than everyone. They know what's going on. They, they, they raise their hands when they worship. They put so much money in the, in, in the box. They kneel down in front of you. They're just like being showy. And Jesus says this to them. So do and observe whatever they tell you. He says, you can hear what they're telling you. Observe it and do what they tell you, but don't do what they do. He says, do not do their works that they do, for they preach but do not practice. And then verse 23 says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. He's having a go at them. He says, for you tithe mint. You tithe cumin. And you've neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. So he says, you're doing, you're doing, you're being religious, you're tithing, you're giving this, you're giving that. But what's happened to justice? What's happened to mercy? And he goes, well, you need to be showing justice, living by mercy without neglecting the others. This is where we see Jesus reaffirming tithing. We see him endorsing tithing. We see him supporting it. He's just talking like, yep, this is just normal because it was normal and he's not being against it. So the Lord taught that workers deserve to be paid wages and Jesus taught his disciples to obey what the Lord taught including tithing, except those ritual sacrifices which were abolished after Jesus died for sins once and for all. So what happens in the Old Testament? We see people sacrificing animals. Like 
if people messed up, they had to give an offering, a sacrifice. Could be a bird, it could be a, a, a lamb, different animals. There's different offerings they could do, but there had to be blood shed in the Old Testament. So we got to look when we're thinking Old Testament, New Testament, and then the cross. What actually passed through the cross? When the cross came, when Jesus came, he died and he resurrected, and he's given us the Holy Spirit. What still remains? So if you think, are we sacrificing? Who's got an animal to bring today? We don't need that because Jesus paid for that once and for all. So there's things that ceased with the cross, but there's things that continue on. And tithing is one of those things, as we can see from that verse in Matthew. And then we look at Paul on tithing. Paul says this. It will come up on the screen again. In 1 Corinthians 9, 3 to 14, Paul says, This is my defense to those who would examine me. Do we not have the right to eat and drink? Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife, as do other apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? No one. Who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruit? No one. I'm just adding that in there because their rhetorical questions is asking. Or who tends a flock without getting some of the milk? Do I say these things on human authority? Does not the law say the same? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. Is it for oxen that God is concerned? Does he not certainly speak for our sake? It was written for our sake because the plowman should plow in hope and the thresher thresh in hope of sharing in the crop. If we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share this rightful claim on you, do not we even more? Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right. So Paul didn't make use of this right. He was a tent maker, and he was doing that because it was causing so much division where he was. But he was explaining to them that this is how things work. A laborer deserves their wages, but he wasn't taking advantage of that, but he's just explaining it. He's giving the heart of it. Is it too much if we rip material things from you? If others share this rightful claim on you, do we not even more? Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple, and those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings? Last verse, in the same way the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. You know, I've really struggled with this all week. I'm like, what people are going to hear is that I'm just saying, those who work for church deserve to be paid. Those who work for church deserve to be paid. This is not what this is about. We're going back to the root of what tithing is about and what the church is about. God's plan is to restore humanity to relationship with him. And he does that through the church. And he uses our obedience in giving to advance his kingdom. You know, we wouldn't have courses like sharing Jesus confidently if people were not contributing to, to that. We wouldn't have 
the, as many locations as we have in Melbourne and overseas so people were not doing that. But like we explained last week, only 3 to 5% of people tithe. So imagine what God would do through you and I if people tithe. And that's the heart of it. So Paul here says, in the same way as the priests and the Levites in the temples were paid through tithes, the Lord commanded that the workers in the church be paid in the same way, the tithes. One person puts it this way. His name is Charles Meeks. He's a scholar. And he wrote on the tithe. Hear this, Numa South. He says, the Christian attitude toward giving ought to be shaped by the Old Testament, but defined by Jesus' proscriptions and Paul's exhortations in the New Testament. So the shaping of our theology and how we think about tithing should be shaped by the Old Testament, because that's where it comes from, but it should actually be defined by Jesus' proscriptions, what he said they were not doing, what he said the Pharisees were focusing on. That's what should define our attitude towards tithing. So maybe you're already tithing. I say, stay on it. You know, once you you start doing it seriously, I don't know anyone who tithes who goes, man, I wish I wasn't tithing. Like, it's hard at the start, but once you do it, like we'll read later on, that God actually says, put me to the test. Test me in this. So if you're already tithing, we're talking about it. Get alongside someone during the week today. Have a coffee in your life group. Just say, hey, how do you go with tithing? What is that like for you? With no judgment, just talk about it. God has created us to do life together, interdependent relationships, to sharpen one another. And it doesn't matter if you're at a point where you're not. There's no judgment, but let's talk about it. So if you're doing it, keep doing it and see what God continues to do. If you're not tithing, I say it again. I'm not looking through some records or pushbang and go, oh, is Jules tithing? Hey, Jules, bro, what's going on, bro? Like, seriously. Uh-uh. If you're not tithing, just seek God on it. Say, God, speak to me. This is the whole thing with lordship, Jesus being our Lord. It's going to say, God, I give you all of my life. Some people go, oh, it's not about money. I, I just give in how I serve. I give in my time. Okay, cool. What about your money? Uh, my money? Remember, what's his is ours, and what's ours is his, not what's yours is mine, and what's mine is mine. So if you're not tithing, just go on that journey. Last week, Pastor Corey shared a, um, a funny story. I was listening to the YouTube, because what, like, what I'm preaching today is Dr. Mike has put it together, and we're all sharing that. So last week was Pastor Corey was sharing a city, and I was sharing the same thing here. But it all had a little twist, so I brought my, myself into it. But I listened to, to his YouTube on it, and one of the stories he told was this. He goes, it's not a story about him, but he said, there's a story of a guy that goes to a pastor, and he comes and goes, hey, pastor, I need help. Can you pray for me? Because I'm struggling with tithing. I earn $5,000 a week, and I'm just struggling to tithe. Can you pray for me, pastor? Sure thing, Prem. I'll pray for you. Heavenly Father, I just pray for Prem right now. I just pray you reduce his income to $50 a week so that he can tithe. (laughs) Like seriously. 
We can go, I can't afford to tithe because I earn so much money. So yeah, let's go back down there. Do you know what I mean? Like the funny story, but it's true. Because one of the things that has really encouraged me as a Christian, when we were living in London, I met this cool Jamaican dude by the name of Paul Brown. This guy was blessed. He is blessed up until today. But he became a good mate of mine. And this guy's buying a house for his parents. Paul, are you for real? I wish I could do that. This guy's buying a car for his parents. thinking, man, I wish I could do that. Because I would love to do all those things for my parents. As I'm getting to know him, he tells me, man, I just see God's favor on my life. He goes, I learned from a young age. When I was six, I did my first paper round. I went around on a bike, dropping papers everywhere. I came back with an envelope with my first pay. Said, Dad, I got my pay. Six pounds, six British pounds. And then Dad goes, that's awesome. And his dad goes, 60 pence is your tithe to the Lord. Dad, you right? He's saying, he's saying, you right, Dad? And... um. His dad goes, that's the tithe to the Lord. He's like, but dad, I want to buy some candy. I want to buy some. Do you know what I could buy without 60 pence? But he said he did it. The next week it was tough. He did it. But he said he's learned from that age that throughout his whole life, it's been a sheer delight to be part of the church, to be part of building God's house. That hasn't even been an issue. And he's not like super rich, going crazy or showing it. You wouldn't even know. But he's just been faithful and he's seen God's blessing over his life. That really encouraged me. So the most recent census has revealed a notable decline in Christianity. What are the factors that might have mostly contributed to this decline in the church? Why is the church declining? The two things that Christians today do the least are tithing and evangelism. And these two things are inextricably connected to the mission of God in the world to redeem people to himself through the church's work in the world. So tithing is about being part of the people of God. Ownership and participation rather than watching, receiving, but not contributing. Something I missed out earlier on that I just love and I've just got to go back to is that when we, when the church doesn't tithe, it denies its identity as the people of God on mission with him and becomes either a supermarket or a theater. The church becomes a supermarket, a place where we go, oh, what can I get? Oh, I have that. I'll do this. I'll just serve there. I'll only do this. Oh, I'll just do this and that. Like a supermarket, we go shopping. This is what happens in church. It can happen when we're, we're denying its identity as a people of God. Theater. We go to the movies. Oh, man, what can I watch? Session times. Oh, yeah, cool. I'll watch that. No, nah, I won't watch that. Kind of like Netflix. So much options. But it's like, what can I watch? The church can become a place where we just come and listen and not actually participate. So tithing is for everyone. You might be thinking, what if I haven't been tithing? Well, let's check this um, verse out. It's one of the last verses. You guys have been so good. You've been so patient. Malachi chapter 3, 7 to 12. What we've got to realize with this, with this text is that these people knew about tithing. 
For some of us today, you've never heard about tithing to the extent that you've heard today. So just know there's no judgment. There's no condemnation. It says in the, in the word, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Tithing is not going to get you saved. Tithing is not going to change your salvation. Don't get that today. Oh, I'm not tithing. I'm leaving that church. If you want to leave Numa South today because we're talking about tithing, be kind to me. Let's catch up for a coffee this week and let's, let's talk about it because it does not change anything in terms of who you are in God's family. So these people had known about tithing for a thousand years and now God comes to them in Malachi 3, 7 to 12 and he says, from the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I'll return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you're robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I would not see, if I would not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you, so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil, And your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations, here it is again, all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. See, these people were robbing God because the tithe belonged to God. Remember we said the tithe belongs to God. It wasn't theirs to keep. Not this. I'll leave that one now. So the promise was that God would open the windows of heaven and bless them. And just start talking to people in the room afterwards. You will hear stories, literally stories of how God has shown up, how God has blessed when people have gone on this journey. So tithing is about discipleship. Tithing is about just like, just like loving, forgiving, serving, blessing, praying, evangelizing, all the commands in the New Testament are for believers to obey. And we heard Paul saying it is a command when it comes to the laborer getting his wages. Jesus commanded that making disciples required teaching of obedience to all of his commands in the Great Commission, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. And Paul's also made that clear. If you could stand with me. We're there. You guys have done well. You've listened and I pray that you've received something. I hope you've been challenged because this challenges me. If you haven't been challenged, then I haven't done what I'm supposed to do. And I pray that you've been encouraged. Keith Greenwood was a man at a church called Mount Evelyn Christian Fellowship. Dr. Alan Meyer in 1983 took on this church. He started to lead it and he started to teach on the practice of tithing. And then this guy, Keith Greenwood, comes to to Dr. Alan Meyer and he says, he was one of the elders, and he says, I want to come on staff, but just pay me $300 a week. Pay me $300 a week to enable me to dedicate time to going to India to plant churches. So he, he goes to India and now there's thousands of churches since 1983 that have been planted 
in India, there's been 750,000 that have been saved, that have come to know. We're talking about Hindus that have come to know Jesus because one church practiced tithing, taught on tithing. Tithing is part of God's plan of salvation. It was first mentioned to Abraham and it's continued on. Let's close our eyes. Imagine a church where everyone tithes, where everyone shares testimonies of God's provision, where we see the church advancing God's kingdom. What can this look like? Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died and rose again, conquering sin, Satan and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.